Hello and welcome back to episode 33 of the RLS podcast. Going to do a solo podcast today um, and we're going to be talking about how to do your first 5k, how to do your first 10k, how to do your first half marathon and then so on and how you would kind of progress that. So if you are an individual that is has never run before, who's never even tried it, never even thought about it, but kind of wants to get started right now. Um, this is obviously going to be beneficial. Someone that wants that already does run, that wants to get a little bit better, that wants to increase their distance, that wants to come up with some strategies as to get how to get better. Um, this is going to be beneficial. And then someone who wants to run their first half marathon or I kind of going to, going to touch on marathons as well, um, which is obviously no small feat. Like you cannot just go out and within four weeks be able to run a half marathon. Some people can, but it's very rare. Like I would most definitely not be able to go and run a half marathon tomorrow if I wanted to. I would maybe be able to go the distance, but I would be an absolute bit after it. Um, so it's, yeah, hopefully this training is going to allow you to take away something from this. Um, and if you are listening and you're a total just, I only go to the gym, I only lift weights, then please stick around because I'm going to try and tell you exactly why you should be doing both or you could be doing both if you want it to be. Um, so let's get into it. So to start off with, we're kind of just going to go over some of the information that you would really want to have before you even start running. So if you are someone that's never run or you want to just get started from scratch, then let's think about this to start off with. So zero to 100 does not really work. So if you have in your head, you've never run for ages, but you want to go and run a 5k. Yes, there are a lot of people that could go and just run a 5k. Um, but I would definitely recommend starting off nice and slow and building it up from the ground. Just the same as you wouldn't go into the gym and try and bench double your body weight the first time that you go in. You would start off with a bar and you would work up session on session, progressively overloading. That's pretty much the same as how running works. Because if you do go and try and do a 5k and you just go absolutely crazy, just run as hard as you can, your heart rate's through the roof, then you'll probably end up super fatigued, your legs will be in bits, you'll be a bit disheartened, and you'll be done before you even start. That's obviously not how we want to feel. We, we want to be able to enjoy running to a certain extent. And how many times have you heard people say, I hate running, I, I just despise it? It's because they've probably just went in too deep and they've, they've went in too hard in the first couple of sessions and absolutely goosed themselves. So, yeah, this is pretty simple advice, but the way that I would start off would be to get a simple plan, a simple plan and one that is readily available and a lot of people have done it in lockdown is couch to 5K. So if you are honestly sitting listening to this and you've never done a 5K in your life, you've never even run in your life, couch to 5K is the way to start. Um, obviously, there are loads of different ways that you could do that. Um, you may get a coach that could give you something like that. But Couch to 5K is pretty good because you can pick the person that you want to listen to. Someone's just in your ear telling you when to run, when not to run, when to walk, um, what pace you should be going, and giving you some quite, um, I don't know, they give you some motivational um, words in your ear, which some people may like, some people may not. But Honestly, it's the best way to work yourself up to a 5K. Um, it's a progressive kind of process over a, I think it's a six-week period or a month. It's, I think you can, I think there's options, but I think over a month, you could definitely work yourself up to a 5K. Pretty much whoever you are, I think you would be able to. Um, because if you go out 
and you're like, right, okay, I'm going to run three days this week and I'm going to try and run X amount of distance without the strategy, without the plan, without something in front of you telling you how much you actually need to run. Um, there's every chance that you'll go out too hard, too fast. You'll end up burning out. You'll end up being absolutely knackered or it'll come to the second run of the week and you'll be like, oh, I can't be arsed. Can't be bothered because it's only you to answer to. But at least with Couch to 5K, you've kind of got to keep it going. So you've got to do three runs over a seven-day period. And if you don't, you lose your streak and you end up kind of having to go back to the start. So a good little method to get yourself working. Um, having a way of tracking your runs is actually super helpful as well. So you've got the Nike app, you've got Strava, you've got Apple Workouts, you can use your Fitbit. Um, there's loads of different apps nowadays to help you track a run. And I think that it is probably pretty good to start off with to be tracking your runs. Now, you don't need to share them on Strava because I know some people are kind of, oh, I'm embarrassed. I can't really run that far. I can't run that fast. People are going to look at my time and go, oh, my God, you can't run, which is not true, by the way. Um, so the best way to kind of do it would be to obviously just, if you've got a watch or you've got a phone or if you've got Strava, just record your runs and you can keep it on private if you really want to and you can you cannot follow anyone. But what it does, it helps you see your helps you see your pace it helps you see the the distance that you went it helps you see the the route that you went um and you can refer to it week on week to see how you're improving and to see yeah and i mean if you want to go into the depths of strava you can there's loads of different details on there and i think it is also good to it is kind of motivational as well if you kind of are motivated in that sort of way where you like competing and you like seeing other people's times and you like trying to trying to better them or you like trying to compare like I wouldn't recommend it right off right off the bat and right at the start but it is pretty helpful for some people I know for a fact that using Strava motivates me because if I scroll through and I see someone's done a run or I see a certain time or I see the leaderboards then I'm just like that gives me that little extra push but that's just the way I'm kind of it's just kind of the way that I'm motivated I also think that as much as you may right now not feel like you have time for this, um, running once a week is brilliant. It's better than sitting on the sofa and doing nothing. But I would recommend trying to run two or three times a week with like one or two days in between each run. Um, that's going to be the best way that you can improve because, again, similar to the gym, if you train once a week, brilliant. But if you train three or four times a week, then you're going to get stronger very, very much faster. It's the same with running, but obviously you need to take into account the other things that you're doing. Um, and I'll come on to that later. Um, would most definitely recommend getting a decent pair of trainers. Um, you don't need to get the top of the range ones. But if you are someone that maybe suffers from like sore knees, plantar fasciitis, um, or you feel like you're a little bit heavier, like for example, for me, running 10K plus at like 87, 88 kilograms takes its toll on my body. There's a lot of weight going through the ground there. So what I like is I like a nice supported pair of trainers that are going to take some of that load for me so that I don't finish every single run with my quads absolutely knackered. But obviously over time you will adjust. Some people may also argue that you don't really need all these supported trainers and that these minimalist kind of barefoot shoes are actually better, but that's a kind of argument for another day. I would just definitely recommend getting a good pair of trainers. You could even go to one of the shops that'll, again, there's loads of them, Dundee, Edinburgh, Glasgow, all around, um, which will have a look at your foot strike, have a look at your running um, gait, and they'll select a pair of trainers based on what they believe is going to be best for you comfort-wise um, and support-wise. I think that was something that was really helpful for myself. Um 
food around runs is another thing that people kind of get wrong at the very start. And I'm not saying you need to be feeling like an absolute athlete. One thing to be careful of is, careful of is running close to meals. So it's one of the main issues people have. Oh, I've had indigestion when I was running or I felt sick when I was running. Running straight after your tea is probably a bad idea. You want to probably run... I mean, there's, you could run at any time of the day, but this is just for me personally. And what I see is if you're eating something that's really high in fats or something that's really high in protein, and then you finish that and within 20 minutes, you're away on your run, you would expect probably some distress from your stomach because you've not allowed your food to digest. Um, so try and give yourself at least an hour um, after you've eaten um, a, like a big meal to then go and run. I would, I would most definitely recommend that because that can, again, put you off. It can put you off if you get that discomfort in your stomach. I know how bad it feels and I know how it feels to get acid reflux and indigestion when you're on a run and it just ruins the whole experience. So that's another thing to consider. If you are going to eat something near your run, make it something light, like a light carbohydrate, like, I don't know, like a banana, a bit of fruit, um, oh God, like a cereal bar, just something small if you need that little boost of energy. Another thing would be listening to music when you're running. So some people like to listen to music. Some people like to listen to podcasts. Some people like to just run without anything and just like be in their own space and be in their own head and just kind of have a little bit of a think sometimes. I know for a fact, once you get to like the the hard part of the run or you're near the end, um, sometimes you're just thinking nothing other than survive. Um but I personally love listening to podcasts because there's a voice in your head which almost distracts you. There's not like a beat in the back of your head if you're listening to some techno because what your body does when you're listening to techno is it, or not just techno, but like a song with a, like a beat. Um, you can almost match the beat with your foot strike and the way that you pump your arms. And more often than not, that makes you go too fast and it makes you absolutely just you're just gassed you're blown out um something else i would recommend doing is mapping out the run in your head so knowing kind of where which direction you're going and where you're going and how fast that is um there is a couple of apps that you can do that on um i'm actually just going to pull it up now because i've forgotten um what the name of said app was i think it was something about path something about footpath um, Andrew Finlay, if you're listening, I'm scrolling through your messages to try and find the name of this app. Plotaroot, plotaroot.com. And you can actually basically write the route that you want to take and it will show you how long the distance is that you're going to you're going to do. So that's a good thing because if you just go running, I do this all the time. Like I'll have a rough idea of where I'm going, but then I end up changing direction because I look at the direction that I'm going and I say, hmm, that looks easier than climbing back up that big hill. But commit to the route and make sure that you're going to kind of um, make sure you're going to do it because if not, you end up just running in an odd direction. And I do this all the time. Like I'll be running like a 10 K I'll run in that direction. And then I'll end up like tw a 20 minute walk away from home. And then that just extends the time that I take my run when I realistically should have just run the route. I was going to run and end up back at my house by the time I'm finished. Um, another thing, and you could tell, like I've got a list here. Um, I'm going to shout out the local park run in Forfar, but there's obviously park runs all over the shop. Um, with park run, if you don't know what that is, it's like a local event that's planned um, by volunteers. And it is essentially, I think I would be right in saying it's, it's a 5K. Um, you can walk, you can run, you can compete, you can go as fast as you want or as slow as you want. You can basically register on the, on the website. You register your name, you'll go down, you basically get 
you basically be able to scan um, scan in and it'll be able to record your time um, for the 5K. There's a leaderboard that goes up at the end. You will be able to see what your time was this week. You'll be able to see how that matches up with previous times that you've run. Um, and it's also like a, just a good community. And there's a lot of people down there. Um, I know the one in Forfar gets like 80, 90 plus people um, pretty much every week. And it's good. And, and again, you can look at it in both ways, it could be a nice place to just go on a nice, easy run, to speak to a pal and to just meet up with some people. Or you could look at it in a different way. I want to absolutely smash every single one, every single person here and be top of that leaderboard. Um, so whatever you'll, you'll make of that, you can make of that. So it's a pretty good way to approach it if you want to start. Um, and just a last little point to, to speak about on this one is that running ruins gains. So like you could go into a massive long kind of detail about this. It's it's said a lot, like people that are like weightlifters, like they won't run, they, they won't even touch it because they they reckon it ruins gains and it means that it, it slows down muscle growth. Now, you could look at this in a couple of different ways and you could say, yes, it does. And you could say, no, it doesn't. It's just about the strategy that you have. So people think running ruins gains because of the fact that it breaks down muscle, it burns calories, it means that there's, it takes away from the growth that you're going to get lower body. Um, and it takes away from the, the, well, the calories that you, you have in your body to grow. So if your goal is to build solely build muscle, um, look, it's going to be optimal to just train in the gym and to do a little bit of conditioning, maybe running is not going to be optimal, but you can definitely do both. Um, the thing that you've got to think about is, if you're running and training weights at the same time and your primary goal is to build muscle, then what running is going to do is it's going to add extra sessions into your week, extra time that's going to be taken away from the work that you can do in the gym. It's going to mean that your lower body is perhaps a little bit more fatigued than you'd like it to be over and over, over a full week. So the overall volume going into your lower body, going into your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, your calves is going to be a little bit higher. Is that going to compromise your gym performance, lower body? Maybe a little bit. But if you program it right in the right times, in the right places, in the right distances, in the right volumes, and you build it up gradually and don't just totally go into it and smash it and try to run 10K straight off, then you can still do it. The other thing that you're obviously going to have to consider is if you are trying to build muscle, maybe running and burning extra calories will take away from the growth that you get if you don't replace the calories. So on the days that you run, if you are trying to build muscle, you may need to kind of add to the calorie intake that you're going to have. So say, for example, you were eating 3000 calories every single day and you were training in the gym four times. Say, for example, on day five and day six or on day three in between your gym sessions and on day six after your gym sessions, you are to run you may then need extra calories on the days that you run. So say, for example, you, and I know that calorie trackers and activity trackers are not always accurate, but there is a rough approach you can take. If on the days that you're running, you look at your watch and you burn 200 calories or you burn 300 calories, let's say. Why not on that day, can we increase our calorie intake by 150 to 200? So we always mitigate the calorie burn from the run and in theory we may then recover better if we have a good protein source and a good carbohydrate source and that clock does my nothing it's now not the post it's now the clock that goes off every 15 minutes i reckon vecna's probably would have come and 
crack my neck. Um, yeah, so running does not ruin gains. It may compromise the goal very slightly if you don't put the right things in place. So running does not ruin gains. That's a fact. So moving forwards, if you've started running, if you feel like, yeah, okay, this is good. I'm running 3K, I'm running 4K, I'm running 5K. I think by this point, most people kind of they come to this this conclusion that they either hate it, they love it, it's okay, or I'm never doing it again. Um, I think I, I think a lot of people are too quickly they they kind of come up with that assumption too quickly because they've maybe done something wrong and, for example, kind of went out too fast and ran too much and end up really, and ended up really fatigued and they've had no plan. Um, I think. In my opinion, and I know a lot of people will agree with me, the feeling of a run after and well, during is different. Like when you're running, you actually almost feel sometimes like you you want it to end and you never want to do it again. But after the run, that feeling can't really be matched. Yeah, the gym is is amazing. The feeling of lifting weights is really good, but the feeling of really smashing a run and finishing it, there's some sort of euphoric, strange feeling about it that's actually really, really good. Um, but there also might be a feeling of like, I, I never want to do that again. But I think pretty much everyone will really enjoy the feeling. Um, some of the things that people kind of get wrong, and I basically basically spoke about it before, was that they, they go too hard. So you would kind of call this like redlining. So you will, you'll know when you're redlining and you know when you've exerted yourself too much um, if you go into the red zone. So you be, if you've got a watch, if you've got an activity tracker, and you are kind of looking at it and it's like 180 to 190 to 200 plus. Now I'm talking about a steady state run. So we're doing a 5K to a 10K right now. And um, we're essentially just trying to maintain a pace. If you see your heart rate going above 190 or well, 185, 190, and you're just trying to run a 5K, then there's a really good indication there that you're probably going too fast for the occasion unless the emphasis of the training session is to absolutely redline and go your maximum for an interval, then, okay, that's fine. But if you're constantly going out on your runs and you're maxing 185 beats per minute to 190 beats per minute, you're going to be super fatigued, super knackered, and probably going to just be in pain and discomfort every single time you go for a run. So unfortunately for some of us, the solution is to slow down. And it's hard because I'm, I'm exact same. Like I struggle to just kind of go on a run where I'm not maxing out. Like I always want to go really fast and try really hard. But it's important to understand that it is not always good to redline. It's not always good to go absolutely maximum. Um, one second. So another kind of approach that we can take is like zone training. So zone training is something I quite enjoy. It gives you a little bit of an emphasis. It means that you don't have to be thinking about how fast can I do this run? I've got to do this run as fast as I can. So when we talk about zones, we have, you can put them into loads of different kind of categories. People use different terminology to describe them, but you've got zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four, and zone five. Zone one is what I would almost call like the active recovery, um, where it's a nice run, it's pretty easy, you can talk quite easily to the person next to you, you're not breathing out your arse, you're not 
totally sweat and your face is not wearing red and you don't feel like your calves are way to explode. Zone two is what I would call like the endurance zone. This is the zone where you can kind of, this is where you would be running at, like say, for example, a, a longer run. So like a half marathon or if you were running a really long distance, this would be the endurance zone. So zone two. Zone three would be the tempo zone. So this is the zone where it's starting to get a little bit difficult. In this zone, this is where you're going to be going. This is kind of going to be where you're doing like slightly faster runs where there's maybe going to be like a change in speed. So you may be running, uh, I don't know, like like almost like 70% to, to like 50%. So you may not be able to hold this pace. And at this point, you're maybe going to be like, okay, it's getting, breathing's getting a little bit deeper. Um, it's getting a little bit harder to speak. Um, and again, it's the heart rate starting to go up. Threshold is, so this is kind of like where you would be like really pushing it now. Like you'd be struggling to talk to the person next to you. Your breathing would be a little bit harder. Your legs would maybe start to burn a little bit. At this pace, you may not be able to hold it for very long. This is this is what I'm talking about when we're getting near to this red line zone. This is when the heart rate is starting to go like above 160, 170, 180. And then when we talk about zone five, so this is your like VO2 max. This is red line. And this is where we will not really be able to sustain this pace for a long period of time. So that's kind of like, I mean, it's completely individual to every single person based on their fitness levels, based on how old they are, based on how experienced they are with running. But you'd be talking like 170 beats per minute plus at this point. So that's zone five. So we shouldn't really be looking to maintain zone five for that long. Um, and if you're looking at your watch and you're getting some feedback from, say, like Strava or your Apple Watch, and you've been 180 plus the whole run, then that's maybe not going to be that beneficial. Um, so yeah, there's like, there's loads of there's loads of different kind of emphasis em- emphasis emphasis you can put on a run. Um, but I think at this point you've got to now think about what are your goals. So if you've done a 5K, you're happy with that. What are your goals now? Do you want to run a faster 5K? Do you just like running because you enjoy running? Or do you now want to up the distance? Do you want to run a 10K? Do you want to run a, a half marathon? Do you want to keep keep growing? Do you want to keep getting better at this? Um, so then I would start thinking about, you would like to think about technique straight from the straight from the off. And you don't want to go into, go into a run with really bad technique, really bad foot strike, really bad really bad running form and this is something I don't think a lot of runners think about and I actually didn't think about it until about a couple of years ago so some of the main tips that I would give you for for running and to maintain form and to make your running as efficient as possible would be things like this so you actually want your body to be facing straight forward so you don't want your shoulders to be rolling about and wobbling side to side and you don't want your hips to be moving side to side. You want to kind of be quite, quite robotic. Think about Robocop. Now, this is going to sound absolutely mental. I don't know if anyone's seen Robocop, but the way that he runs. So he's got his arms in tight, elbows in tight, and they're going to be pumping back and forward like pistons. So the elbows in tight, there shouldn't be massive gaps between your armpit and your arm in tight, and you're going to be pumping your arms. You're going to have a pretty tight core. Um, and with the foot strike, you want to almost think like, okay, I'm running on, I'm running on marshmallows. I'm running on something really soft. So I'm going to hit with the, with the main kind of 
not the ball of my foot, but just, just beyond that. So you don't want to be hitting the ground with your full foot so that your heel and your toes and the full foot smashes the ground. You almost want to be hitting with the ball of your foot. Everyone's running form is different. Everyone finds, everyone has their own kind of comfortable position. But if there's one thing that's true, that smashing the ground with your heel and your full foot is going to really fatigue your whole leg quicker than if you're trying to hit the ball of your foot. Um, well, there's a couple of other things that you want to think about. It's, it's You want to be pretty tight. You want to be rigid, but you also don't want to be like tense. You don't want to be super duper like tense and you don't want to be in that kind of stressed out position that you would be of like, um, I don't know, it's hard to describe, but you you kind of, you need a picture on a video to really describe this, but think about your arms are going to be pistons. Your head's going to be face on. You're not going to be wobbling about side to side. Your hips are going to be facing forward. Your shoulders are going to be facing forward. Your hands are going to be facing forward. Um, and these are a couple of things you want to consider. Breathing is obviously a really important one as well. Um, something to get used to is obviously breathing in through the nose and breathing out through the mouth and when you get to a stage where you can kind of your breathing just happens quite naturally, then that's going to be obviously brilliant. But for the start, like people, it sounds stupid, but people sometimes don't know how to breathe. If we can kind of maintain a nice, consistent breathing pattern, then it's really going to help. Um, one thing you obviously don't want to do is you don't want to be holding your breath for too long. Like you'd be surprised people do that as well. Um, and when things do start to really get hard, can we just take some deep breaths? So in through the nose, out through the mouth for three, take some really deep breaths, get some oxygen into your body and then go again. Um, and when we get fatigued, so think about a time when you went on a run and, or if you've not been on a run, it's obviously hard to think about, but think about a time that you went on a run and it started to get really hard and you just felt everything get heavier and you started feeling your feet just smashing the ground you felt your body just wobbling side to side and you were just like doing everything you can to survive it's really important to just try and maintain that form because it will feel like okay it's harder to maintain this form than not but if you can maintain everything i've just spoke about there the pistons the shoulders end the tight core the foot strike the running on marshmallows thing your your efficiency is going to be much better and you're not going to continue to get even more fatigued so that's something to really think about um but yeah, obviously very hard to, to actually depict through a podcast. It's more something that you really need to see. So 10K, um, getting a little bit harder now, um, getting a little bit kind of closer to the point where you can't just go out and do this tomorrow. If you've not run before, 10K is probably going to be pretty difficult. Um, you're going to be taking anywhere between if you've just started anywhere between like 45 minutes to an hour, an hour and a half to do a 10K, it's it, it's not an easy distance to just go out and smash. Um, so when we got up to this distance, it's not just the case of, okay, if I want to get better at a 5K, I need to run a 5K. It's not necessarily true. And when it comes to a 10K, it's most definitely not true. We need to mix up the training. We need to not just, if we want to run a 10K, you don't just run a 10K. You build it up. And you do things like threshold runs, tempo runs, intervals, sprints. To go fast, we've got to go slow. To go slow, we've got to go fast. So we've got to mix up the training. So basically what I was talking about earlier, so being able to run slow to run fast is actually a thing, believe it or not. If we can run slow and control our breathing and control our heart rate, 
then that's going to then allow us to build up um, our ability to be efficient um, at a faster pace. Being able to being able to sprint, being able to actually run really fast for a short distance is going to allow us to have that extra burst of pace when we really need it. And that's going to allow us to speed up when we need to. Hill sprints is another thing that I would actually program for a lot of people. So hill sprints will allow us to work on good running form. So if we run up a hill, we're at a, a different sort of angle than we are when we're running straight. And what we do when we're running up a hill is we pump our knees up a lot higher. Now, obviously didn't mention that in the last bit about running form, but if we are able to pump our knees up a little bit higher, then our running form is actually going to be better and our foot strike is going to be better. Because if we don't lift our knees, then we end up kind of trailing our feet along the ground. We don't lift them too high. So hill sprints are a really good way to actually work on running form and pumping your knees up a little bit higher. Um, as I talked about, types of runs, threshold runs, tempo runs, intervals, sprints. A threshold run would look something like thinking about back to the zones, running in between a heart rate and another heart rate. So it could be between 140 beats per minute and one. 60 beats per minute now obviously that is kind of very individual to the person um, and individual to kind of what they're training for and um, you could threshold run between any heart rate if you wanted to threshold run in zone one which would be maybe for example could be like between 80 beats per minute and 100 beats per minute a tempo run would be something like um running between a certain pace um so you could be running between like 430 kilometers uh 430 minute kilometers per hour um between 4 30 and 5 30 um intervals are kind of what in, what intervals sound like you run at say for example for 1k you run um as fast as you can for like at 10 rp so like a really hard run and then for 1k you run at 5 rp so again rp is rate of perceived exertion 10 being really hard 5 being kind of halfway there zero being really easy um and then sprints, sprints are sprints. They'll be much shorter distance with a lot more rest. So you might run for 30 seconds and then you might walk for a minute. Volume management is another massive thing that most people don't consider. So volume management would be the amount of running that we're doing during the week. Now, obviously this is pretty important when we're considering um, training in the gym as well. So controlling your volume over a week is is going to be important for how you progress because if you're doing three gym sessions and then you go and chuck in four runs and your legs are absolutely knackered every single day of the week then to me that spells that you are doing too much volume so you're doing too many gym sessions you're doing too much distance to the run there goes that clock again um do you not know I'm doing a podcast? I honestly don't know why they need to do that every 15 minutes. Every half an hour would be fine, but every 15 minutes is just a little bit too far. Um, never mind that. But yeah, with volume, we obviously need to consider how much we're doing during the week. So this is where kind of like a plan would come into place or a program would come into place um, so that you're not doing too much because this is one of the main things people do wrong. They try to run every single day or they try to run every single day, every second day. And what happens? They just end up too fatigued and too tired. And they think more and more and more is always going to be the benefit for running, but it's not true. We need to recover just the same as we would in the gym. We need to make sure that our body, our legs, our, our lungs have the time to recover to go the next time. And more often than not, if I take someone that's doing too much volume and give them an extra rest day or an extra rest day or two, 
in between their runs, then they end up getting faster and they end up getting fitter. Um, same idea, like you could think of volume management in this way as well, like controlling your intensity of your runs. So not always going out, as I was saying before, not always going out and trying to just like beat your PB. If you constantly go out trying to beat your PB, you're going to end up too fatigued. You're going to end up, going, you're going to end up like doing too much volume, just as I said. Um, training partners are also going to be helpful. If you can go out and run with someone, um, that can be of massive benefit because it will allow you to be held accountable to a certain extent. That person might pull you out for a run when you don't want to go for a run. Um, also, that person might help you. They might be fitter than you. They might be a better runner than you. They might allow you to kind of just get that little bit of extra motivation to go faster if you ever do need to. Um, and again, something when it comes to volume is, and I spoke about this before, if you're running alongside another sport or another commitment or another hobby, if you're playing rugby alongside running, if you're running alongside football, you're running alongside um, like a, a massive gym goal, you might be powerlifting or you might be, uh, you might be weightlifting, you might be doing something like that. It's obviously important to consider when we get up to kind of 10K distance and half marathon distance, the emphasis of a 10K or a, or a half marathon or any of those distances in between there, they're going to be pretty taxing on your body. Running that distance is, is pretty taxing. It's going to take recovery. So, like, I think there is a certain amount you can do that's it's going to be harmless. Um, but I think once we get to 10K plus, we've really got to consider, like, okay, what is my priority right now? What is the emphasis of my training? Um, is going out and smashing 15K on a Tuesday and then trying to play football on a Wednesday, am I going to be able to do that? Is that going to take away from whatever one's my priority, you sometimes have to you sometimes have to pick one or the other or you have to really control how much you're doing. Because as I said, if your week looks like this, training on football training on Monday, run a 10K on Tuesday, football training on Wednesday, run a 10K on Thursday, football game on Saturday, then unless you're super duper fit and you've built up this volume over a long period of time, you may struggle to maintain all of this and it may lead to injuries. So it's obviously important to, to understand. When you get up to half marathon pace, now this is where it, half marathon pace, half marathon distance, this is obviously where it starts kind of getting a little bit more complicated and you maybe need to start considering more strategies. You need to start considering kind of having a, making sure you've got a plan, making sure you've got a coach, making sure you've got the right programming, making sure you're doing some strength work for this. I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend trying to play a sport or try, I wouldn't recommend trying to do a half marathon while you're playing football. Um, I wouldn't recommend trying to run a half marathon while you're playing rugby or while you're trying to beat your squat PB over a six week period. It's going to be really difficult. It can be done. It can be done. I'm not saying it can't be done, but there has to be a lot of the right things in place and there has to be a really good strategy. Um, you've maybe heard me talk about hybrid training before, and that's kind of what I do. I try, I'm training for a triathlon, but I'm also training in the gym right now. And it's hard. It is hard. And I need to make sure everything is on point. Like say, for example, I had four pints on Friday night and then tried to do a sprint triathlon on Saturday. It went all to shit. I got cramp. And that was just four pints. That was just one little thing that I didn't do right. Um, so I think at this point, it's, it's, it's important to prioritize and to program right. Um, fueling and recovery will really come into play here. 
Um, when we get up to half marathon distance, there usually usually has to be a fueling strategy. So when we talk about fueling strategies and recovery, um, if I was fueling for a half marathon, I would make sure that the night before I had carb loaded, I had had, um, in simple terms, I've had a hell of a lot of pasta, a hell of a lot of potatoes. Obviously, right now, I'm not going to put in like the carbohydrate recommendations because that's not what this podcast is about. But there has to be a fueling strategy. Um, when we get up to 21K, we could be running from anywhere to an hour 10, an hour 20, all the way up to like two hours, three hours um, if we're running a half marathon. So running that distance for a constant pace, you're going to be burning a lot of calories when you're running. So you need to replace the calories. An approach that I would obviously take is the the pre the minus one um, the day before fueling. Um, as I spot, talked about carb loading with lots of pasta, lots of potatoes, for example. On the day of, making sure that you've got some sort of carb source earlier in the day, making sure that you've got some sort of fuel to take with you. If it's like an SIS gel, a carbohydrate gel, um, or an isotonic type drink, Lucasade or something like that, um, obviously fueling, rehydrating on that run, that's going to be really important for you to do. Because if you don't, then performance is probably going to drop off before the run finishes you're probably going to be dehydrated you're probably going to be depleted of carbohydrate um so that's something to really think about if you are doing a half marathon don't get me wrong some people will get away with it without doing any of that shit they will get away with it and it'll be fine but it could be better if they fuel appropriately and if they recover appropriately obviously after you do a half marathon how many calories may have you burnt you may have burnt anywhere north of a thousand calories so what do we do after that? We need to refuel. We put carbohydrates back in. We put protein back in. We just generally eat some food. Um, and again, my recommendations would be to at least eat back half of those calories. So again, as I said, activity trackers are not that accurate. But if you run a 21.1 kilometer run, which is a half marathon, obviously, you need to replace the calories after or you're just not going to recover properly. So if you burn a thousand calories, can you replace at least 500? And that's the minimum. You probably even need to replace more. So run a half marathon. That's your, that's your license for a dominoes, I would say. Um, at this point, obviously, the training is going to be pretty intense. You're going to be doing a lot of distance. You're going to be running anywhere from like three to four runs a week, maybe running over 10K at a time, um, doing a mixture of running. At this point, I would have someone maybe doing a a short run, a tempo run, and then a long run at the weekend and maybe some sprint work in between there. Um, and they might even be doing some strength work, so some prehab work, um, some kind of just generally some gym work in there. They might have a couple of sessions a week. Um, obviously, that's going to complement your running. If you're not doing any gym work as a runner, I would seriously question um, your approach. I would question your approach. I think you should always be doing some strength work. Um, if you are a runner, again, the things that get overloaded when you're running, hamstrings, calves, quads, adductors, aka like groins, um, and your glutes. Um, to make those stronger, it's only going to benefit the power that you're going to be able to output when you're running. It's only going to better your efficiency, your form, and it's going to help your recovery. If you've got stronger muscles in your legs, you're going to recover quicker from your runs. Um, so if you're a runner and you're listening to this and you don't train in the gym, try and include a couple of sessions a week, even if it's just like a little 30-minute session. Um, and then injuries, obviously at this point, there's going to be a heightened chance of injuries because you're doing more distance. There's more kind of, there's more scope for you to get like foot related injuries, groin related injuries, calf related injuries, ankle related injuries. Um, so I think the takeaway from this 
section is definitely get a strategy, get a coach, get a plan and get help. Get help on how to do this the best. Um, easy for me to say as I'm a coach, this is not just a marketing podcast. Um, so yeah, I think what you can take away from all of this is that at the start, it's a case of finding out if you really like it. If you if you like running, if you feel like it's beneficial, um, I would only make your mind up about that once you've kind of been through the approach that I spoke about. A gradual, progressive approach that's not going to mean that you absolutely despise every second of it. It's going to mean that you build up slowly, you allow your fitness to keep up, and you don't redline your runs. Um, find an enjoyable approach, something that you actually like doing. Don't just do it because you think you need to do it. Find an approach that's going to be enjoyable and it's going to work for you. When we start working up to 5K and 10K, there needs to be a little bit more strategy. We maybe need to think about getting a comfortable pair of trainers. We maybe need to think about like, what, what is it going to look like for me on a run day? Am I going to have like a podcast? Am I going to have, am I going to run with a friend? Am I going to run at a park run? Uh, what am I going to do? How am I going to, how am I going to approach it? When we get up to the kind of 5K to 10K distance, this is where it maybe needs to, we need to start thinking a little bit more about it, right? Okay. What are my runs going to look like in a week? I'm not just going to go out and run three 5Ks because I want to get better at 5Ks. I'm going to mix up my training strategies. I'm going to do some intervals. I'm going to do some hill sprints. I'm going to do some longer runs, shorter runs. I'm going to run fast. I'm going to run slow. I'm going to mix it up a little bit and I'm going to get a plan. When we get beyond 10K into the half marathon distance, this is really where I would recommend getting some sort of help and I would recommend getting some sort of some sort of plan. And by the way, I am not plugging myself because you can go on YouTube, you can go online and you can get a free plan that tells you what you should be doing. Free, it's going to cost you absolutely nothing. Someone will be able to help you with this without having to pay for it. Um, but if you do want to pay for it, you get the even more exclusive, great service um, and it will help you run whatever distance you want. Um, and then when you get to half marathon distance, even when you get to 10K distance, if you're really serious about your running and you really want to get better at it, gym work, programming, fuel and recovery, get someone to be accountable to, even if it's just like a, a training partner or something like that, that's the, that's the way that I would approach it. And that's the way that I would try and help you run your first 5K, your first 10K and your first half marathon. And I think the same is true for a half marathon and a marathon. Um, obviously, when you want to run a half marathon, I would give yourself a run about 12 weeks. If you were running from not having run before to run a half marathon, I would give yourself at least 12 weeks. If you're an absolute beginner, probably longer, probably around about 16 weeks. If you are already being able to run a five and a 10K, if you want to run a marathon, I would give yourself 12 to 16 weeks, maybe maybe even longer. Um, my kind of advice for you then would be is to not go too hard too soon. Just because you're running the marathon doesn't mean you need to go out tomorrow and run 30K. Build it up gradually. Same as with the 5K, same as with, same as with couch to 5K. Let your body gradually adjust. Just always think, of the, always think of the gym analogy. Would you go in and try and max double your body weight on a bench press straight off? No, you wouldn't. You would build it up over the weeks, nice and slowly, so that you're able to do it. You'd obviously still exert yourself. You would still try hard, but you wouldn't just go straight off the bat and try and do 150 kilograms on the bench press. Um, and yeah, book an event. That's something that obviously helps. And it's kind of like the, I can't remember what you call it. It's like the Spartan paradox. So again, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but with the Spartan paradox, um, basically what it talks about is like, if a Spartan was told that, I just think of Gladiator, if a Spartan was told that he was going into the Colosseum in 12 weeks to fight a tiger, um, 
what do you think he would do? Do you think he would just sit at home and go, okay, this is cool. I'm going to fight a tiger. And I'm not going to do anything about that. No, he would probably go and train like an absolute maniac to make sure that he was ready to fight that tiger. He'd be training pretty much every second day. He would make sure that he was sharpening his blade. He would make sure that he was fully prepared to fight a tiger um, because he's a bit nervous and a bit scared about the event. So what happens is it's kind of the same as obviously you're not fighting any tigers, but you're maybe going to run a half marathon. You've booked it in for 16 weeks time. Well, okay. I don't know what was to say there. Um, Glasgow half marathon is on the 2nd of October. If anyone is thinking about it, get involved. Um, Booking in an event is going to allow you to have that same level of, not the same level, but a, a similar kind of level of right using fear as your kind of, as your friend, right? Okay shit there's a half marathon on the 2nd of October I'm going to have to make sure I'm ready for that I'm going to have to make sure that I'm prepared I'm going to have to make sure that I'm training well um some people don't like that kind of anxiety and that fear of having something in the future but I know for 90% of people it really helps and it means that they get a rocket up their arse to go and start training so hopefully that was helpful um and I will finish off the podcast with a little shout out to yes I have a sponsor now um KSOX so KSOCs are essentially a brand that um, sell sports apparel, sell casual apparel, and it's things like hoodies, shorts, gym t-shirts. Um, they were originally started for their grip socks. So you've seen these kind of socks before where you pull them on, they've got grip below them. So they're really good for running. They're really good for football. So that, you know, when you put a new pair of socks on and you slide about in your running trainers and you slide about in your football trainers and it just hurts. It hurts. You get blisters and it's absolutely, it's, it's just the worst feeling ever. There goes that clock again. Um, K-Socks will hopefully allow you to not get that feeling because you'll get grip from the sock onto the trainer and you'll get a little bit more traction and you'll be far superior and it will pull 10 minutes off of your 10K time. Um, I'm not citing that um, because that might not be true, but let's just pretend it is. Um, so, K-Socks Sportswear on Instagram and on Facebook. And if you've got any questions about what we spoke about today, if you want to set up a 5K plan, a 10K plan, a half marathon plan, or a marathon plan, please get in touch and I will help you as best I can. Um, I will catch you later. And if you enjoyed this, please get a bit of share on your Instagram story because it helps massively.